This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Old Detroit has a cancer. Three dead police officers, one critically injured. The cancer is crime. Although seriously wounded, Officer Frank Fredrickson escaped. And it must be cut out before we employ the two million workers that will breathe life into this city again. Fredrickson identified this man. Clarence Bodiker, unofficial crime boss of Old Detroit, now sought in connection with the deaths of 31 police officers. You probably don't think I'm a very nice guy. <laughs> See, I got this problem. Cops don't like me, so I don't like cops. Okay, let's get out of here. We get the best of both worlds. Bring in the LED. Lock it down. The fastest reflex of modern technology has to offer onboard computer-assisted memory and a lifetime of on-the-street law enforcement programming. He's on. It is my great pleasure to present to you... Robocop. directives serve the public trust protect the innocent uphold the law hollywood science fiction is coming to life in utah where military scientists are working to develop exoskeletons that will one day provide u.s soldiers with superhuman strength this is the bionic leg that can read your mind when Zach Vauder wants to take a step, he thinks it, and it happens. Some of the things, when you look at enhancements, we really don't know what it's going to mean. That's actually attached to you, right? Yeah, that's uh, an antenna, a human antenna implant. That little thing, that's a bug, an insect. It's part robot, part bug. One particular cyborg sells chips people can implant inside their bodies. Things that at the present time we believe are impossible suddenly become possible. This guy is really good. He's not a guy, he's a machine. Hello and welcome to Science-ish. I'm Rick Edwards, joined as ever by Dr. Michael Brooks. Hello. Your turn this week. What are we going to be taking apart? Well, amazing that we haven't done this already, because it is a stone-cold, science fueled classic. Mm -hmm. It's Robocop. Yes! 
Yes! I mean, that is the right reaction. I feel like I've mentioned Robocop a lot over the last not, five years. I don't know about that, but I mean... It, I've it, definitely it thought w- about it a lot. <laughs> it's one of well, my favourite films. Yeah, I'm excited about this. I really am. Genuinely, just a really good film. It's well done. It, it doesn't pretend to have like whizzy you know, CGI or anything like that. It's, it's done with stop motion, some of yeah, it, it's isn't it? Yeah, stop motion. I, yeah. I, I think it's really characterful. I love yeah. all the stop motion stuff. It doesn't really yeah. take you out of it. It's just quite funny. <laughs> also, I was genuinely mortally offended when we were talking about doing this episode um and eli our producer emailed and said also there's a 2014 remake i don't know that's quite good i don't know if you've i was like would you how dare you i've got saw it in the cinema i'm a fan questioning your credentials like yeah, that very yeah. I, mean, I, I think i've seen the original robocop probably double figures Really? I think so, yeah. It's one of those, you know, there's not that many films, but if it's on, I'm just like, great stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you catch it halfway yeah. through on, yeah. Yeah, but that's yeah. the thing, because I know it's so well, it doesn't you matter at yeah. what point I pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> at all. No, no. So do you, I mean, do you think there are people out there who haven't seen it? Well, I pity them. Uh, but just in case, give a, give a little synopsis. All right. Uh, basically, it's set in a dystopian future. Uh, Murphy transferring in from Metro South. Police officer Alex Murphy gets killed by a gang, mm-hmm. uh, shot repeatedly. He gets his arms shot off in spectacular style. Well, give the man a hand. <laughs> it is worth saying that throughout this film, it's really bloody. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. so... It's really, but in a good like, way. Gr- gruesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, there's a company called Omni Consumer Products who are basically running the police force at this point. Omni Consumer Products. What a bunch of morons. OCP. OCP. They Them claim his body, turn him into a cyborg, obviously, you know, who becomes known as Robocop. Thank you for your cooperation. Good night. And there he goes on to fight crime, yeah. uh, but also has these kind of, you know, moments, spoiler alert, of PTSD from his previous existence. There's a heartbreaking line in there. Uh, Heartbreaking where, might be going a bit far. No, Rick. I think no, you're no, quite you're no, quite invested. I am. I am invested. I genuinely think it's quite a sort of it's quite a bleak film. And there's a bit where he says, uh, as RoboCop, uh, Murphy, because sort of talks about himself in the third person because he doesn't yeah. really feel like he's Murphy anymore. Yeah. And he says, Murphy had a family. I can feel them, but I can't remember them. Oh yeah. He's <laughs> just like, oh, it's my, a good line. It's, it's a great line. Yeah, that's poetry. Yeah. But it hurt me. You are a fan, aren't you? I am a fan. I'm a real fan of this film. And I think there's loads of um loads of interesting tech stuff. So what's our what's our big question gonna be then? So um I mean no surprise here, but our big question is will we all inevitably become cyborgs? Ooh. Have we tracked down an absolute G to answer it? Well, actually, we've got the original cyborg. We've got... Peter Weller? I don't even know who Peter Weller is. What are you the talking guy, about? The guy who plays Robocop. Oh, is God. he called Peter Weller? No, no it's not him. It's uh, Professor Kevin Warwick, Professor of Cybernetics, and he's an emeritus professor at Coventry and Reading Universities in two places at once. Uh, I mean, he basically became known as Captain Cyborg back in 2002 when he wired his nervous system to the internet. Massive, how's he? <laughs> he's huge. Massive, yeah, yeah. What have you been up to? Ah, just, you know. 
wiring the old nervous system into the internet. <laughs> Any good to you? I'll tell you what, you wouldn't have needed to ask him because it was in all the papers at the time. And I think, actually, unfairly, so here's my first opinion of the episode. Oh, lovely. I, I really think uh, people were taking the piss massively. They were saying, oh, you know, this guy's just like showboating. Um, I think it was really unfair because what he was doing was saying, look, here's the technology, here's where it's going, here's what we can do right now, let me show you. Rather than just writing abstract papers about it and sort of talking about it in theory. You like uh, him because he's a doer. Uh, he's a doer. And I think there's not enough of that in academia. I think there's not enough people willing to basically experiment on themselves and say, here comes the future. This is what it is. I'm sort of putting myself on the line here. And it is easier to yeah get people talking if you show them. Yeah. And you go, well, look, I've done this. Yeah. I'm a nutter. What yeah. do you reckon? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what did we start by asking him? So, so uh, we started by asking him how he defines a cyborg, as uh, well as you know how much he thinks we're cyborgs already. Well, cyborg is a cybernetic organism, so it's part human, part machine, or part biology, part technology. For me personally, it's where you get enhancement. So the technology becomes part of the person, and you get extra abilities. We've already used technology, even bicycles or glasses, to improve our lot. But it, it comes to therapy, then we've integrated technology into the body to help with things like Parkinson's disease. In an operation like this one, doctors place electrodes in the brain to fight misfiring cells with a higher frequency, which stops Parkinson's symptoms. Heart pacemakers. About three million people worldwide have pacemakers. They are small devices implanted under the skin to regulate the heartbeat. Where it gets really exciting is with integrated technology, that actually enhances our abilities. And there, that's that's where we're at at the moment. I think the first research projects, the first experiments are undergoing now to improve how our brain functions with integrated technology rather than external. On the Health Watch, an implant that merges the brain with artificial intelligence that's aimed at helping patients who have brain disorders. You know, this sounds a little like science fiction, doesn't it? Elon Musk says the brain implant would connect to a computer or smartphone via Bluetooth and could be controlled with an iPhone app. I think when you look at the human body, lots of organs we can help. Even the heart, you, you know, we now look at operating on in terms of electricity rather than just blood, pacemakers and so on. So we're using technology in all sorts of ways, the brain particularly. I think then there are other parts of the body where with the liver, for example, where we still have sort of fairly limited extent to repair and rebuild. So it's, it's, it's a little bit piecemeal. Some parts of the body we could replace even now and other parts of the body we've still got some way to go. I think the most difficult part of the body, the most difficult organ in the body clearly is the brain. Now, as humans, we can identify galaxies light years away. We can study particles smaller than an atom, but we still haven't unlocked the mystery of the three pounds of matter that sits between our ears. All other parts, you feel, well, at some point, we're going to understand the physics, the biology involved, and we'll be able to replace or repair or use some technological version. 
But when it comes to the brain, it is an extremely complex organ where you're including all sorts of memories, connections, education, links to the outside world through the sensory input and so on. And it's very difficult to say, right, we're going to take this brain at this instant in time and replicate it or replace it or repair it in some way. So that, I wouldn't say it's impossible to look at that, but that's as close to impossible as you're going to get in terms of the human body. So the brain is the difficult one. Other, everything else is doable or will be doable in time, I believe. Kevin mentioned that obviously there are quite a few of these uh, technologies within our bodies and that kind of can operate alongside our our organs, yeah. like cochlear implants or like a pacemaker or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. But when it comes to actually replacing... Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Body parts. How much of the body have we, have we figured out? So back in 2013, there was a guy called uh, Rich Walker who built a bionic man from everything that was available at the yeah. time. You might have glimpsed him in the studio just now, the one million dollar man, or rather a collection of artificial organs, synthetic blood and robotic limbs, all of which can be fitted onto or into the human body. Yeah, you can put in things like prosthetic hands and ankles and feet. You can put in an artificial heart. Yeah. Um, he had a cochlear implant uh, in this thing. Not only can he speak... I feel exposed. ...talk to Rex, and he can listen. Pancreas, spleen, kidney some sort of functional circulatory system. I mean, kidney's not hard. We, we do that externally yeah. with a dialysis machine. Yeah. It's just a filter. Uh, he had a retinal prosthesis, so he could kind of see stuff. Um, uh-huh. His body was a big perspex box, so it didn't look so great. Right. Um, but, you know, there was... you know, there was legs? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Legs, legs and ankles and, and hmm. feet and stuff. Did it have a, did have a face? Great. had a face. had the face um, of a, a guy who's sort of one of the pioneers of this field. And when he saw it, he was like, I don't like that. No. <laughs> Today, it's your face, which is somewhat eerie. Oh, I, I find it very, very awkward. I had a very hard time I mean, with one it. I mean, once three's a crowd. I mean, I don't know why, but I immediately <laughs> wanted it to have the face of uh, Bob Monkhouse. I don't know really? why. That's, yeah, just that was the first one that, that popped into my head. I was field. like, I'm going Monkhouse. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess you do choose wow. whatever face you want. Wow, wow. So, um, I mean, it's quite easy in some respects to do some of these body parts. Like a heart is just a, it's just two pumps. Just pump, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. that's, that's not hard. As we said, the kidney is just a filtering system. Mm-hmm. So we've got that. Um, you can get sort of circulatory systems, you can get uh, retinal implants. So you can do all, uh-huh. you know, so we're, you know, we're using those kinds but, uh, of things. But I suppose that the thing that uh, brings everything together is is the brain, isn't it? Yeah, the brain we're not the, doing. The operating system yeah. we haven't got. And the, uh, to be honest, the lungs we can't do either because, you know, the, the specialist material effectively that, that is lung tissue mm. is impossible to make. I mean, there's a massive surface area, mm-hmm. you know, porous membranes, uh, you know, so you can get oxygen filtered out of the of the air. The things, things what like, about the gut? Yeah, it's so you can you can tricky. do a stomach. I mean, it's just a sack, isn't it? 
No, but I mean, mine uh, is anyway. But I mean the uh, yeah, big old sack. <laughs> um, I mean the sort of intestinal tracts. You can do that. Yeah, I mean you, yeah. you'd need kind of materials that. I was going to say the materials, like tubing, be, hmm. um, and and it's got to have certain properties. So you know, you, semi permeable membrane. Yeah, stuff. supply mm-hmm. of hydrochloric acid. So it's got to be resistant to that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, just need some like pumps to sort of squeeze it and pressure it so that you get all the nutrients pumped out of the food. Colon, you can do just you know again that's squeezing water out of feces, isn't it? Oh, lovely. <laughs> I like it when you talk dirty to me. <laughs> um, but we're, we're doing okay on sort of like prosthetic limbs Yeah, is a success area, isn't it? I mean, they're not perfect yet, but we're making progress with them. Yeah. Know? I mean, the thing about prosthetic limbs is you want to be able to control them with your mind. You know, you want them to actually yeah. respond to you wanting to move them. Yeah. We can do sort of rudimentary stuff through a thing called myoelectricity. So this, it's basically the the electrical signals that you can sense on the skin of the stump so it actually sort of you know some brain signals and nerve signals will make their way through and you get this sort of you know if you can pick up the field effectively on the end of the stump yeah uh, then you can actually transfer that into some kind of motor control you have to adapt your thought processes yeah. effectively so that you're sort of getting the right movement out but you know as we've seen in other technologies you can do that quite We're well very adaptable yeah yeah this is this, this thing called neuroplasticity which means our brains can just like, sort of wrap around so yeah i read i read a thing the other day about neuroplasticity in rats which enable which enable them to drive cars like little <laughs> i saw that actually. <laughs> yeah it's good <laughs> <laughs> it's just amazing, and and you just repurpose circuits of your brain, and we see this in you know in people with visual impairment, they will repur- repurpose certain areas of the brain to be able to sort of improve senses in other in other ways. So myoelectricity sort of works, and there are there are prosthetics that take this these signals and then use them to to sort of move Great the thing outputs. to where you want it to mm-hmm. be. Uh, they're not actually even that expensive. Uh, you can process them by off off the shelf chips, and they just go to motors and actuators in the prosthetics. So, so it kind of you know it's it's pretty good. You can even get three D printed open source kind of limbs that have this kind of technology. That's cool. So that's you know that's pretty good. I mean, the one thing you really need is a good fit between the stump and the prosthetic because you've got to be able to pick up that that field, and it's weak. It's not a strong amount of electricity. So the so, connection is very important. Yeah. So you've got to get that right. Um, then you've got the problem of touching, right, and sensation and stuff mm. like that, which is really important you sort of don't realize how important it is until you lose it i think mm-hmm. is, is the sort of lesson that the people learn from this stuff and there's nothing you know nothing like sort of putting your arm out and not feeling the table that you're putting on mm. and it's not your arm and then automatically it's like oh you know this prosthetic is a prosthetic and so but people are starting to do this there's a guy at newcastle called kianush nazarpur and he is engineering sensors into the fingers of prosthetics so they can detect temperature and pressure and shear force as well. So not just vertical pressure, but uh-huh. sort of sideways pressure. And, and, and that outputs to the stump skin effectively. So it goes back the other yeah, way. Yeah, so it goes back the other way. And, and it feels a bit like scratching and tickling to start off with. But people learn to sort of interpret it properly. It's almost like, you know, you grab a hot cup of coffee and you feel a certain thing and then you start to learn that that's what, hot feels like yeah and and then you don't even have to think about it once you've sort of re- yeah, you're just your relearning it yeah. aren't you yeah so that's pretty good and there's a guy uh, who's got a prosthetic who using this arm can feel 119 different touch sensations so he's like got all these sensors in it and and it's not sort of it's not mobile at the moment because it involves so much computing power but um basically allows him to do all kinds of tasks that he wouldn't be able to do using a normal prosthetic. Like, you know, can pick up eggs and or grapes and feel like they're grapes and eggs and not smash them. He says, he, you know, using his arm, 
he can peel a banana. Weirdly, he said he can take his wedding ring on and off, but his own wedding Which is like a bit weird thing to do, isn't it? I mean... No, why? No, that's because I mean, weird? That, no, but in terms my of my wife like, gets very was, upset every time I remove my yeah. wedding ring. <laughs> no, but uh, I'm going to London again, are you? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's for science. Um, no, but as a kind of an example of like fine motor skills, taking a, yeah, a wedding yeah. ring off and then putting it back on, I can see why that would yeah, be. Yeah, uh, anyway, so that was I one think of that's the... just a handy test. All I don't right, think okay. he's, he's not going to Ibiza, is he? <laughs> Getting on it. <laughs> well, we don't know. We don't know. Well, he no, isn't at the moment because the, there's too much computing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't go into, <laughs> into Pasha with a supercomputer <laughs> bolted onto your arm. <laughs> well, I mean, you can. Maybe you can. Uh, <laughs> so the point is that we are... So we're getting there. So we're getting there now in, in 2020, but Kevin was wiring his nerves into the internet in 2002, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Wow. Yeah, I mean, isn't that incredible? So he wired himself up to the internet. Also got his wife involved as well. And they, they could have sort of, you know, non-conversations just by, you know, pulsing, you know, fingers or something and creating nerve pulses uh, that would be transmitted to each other. Oh, great to find another way to have an argument. <laughs> yeah. good, good in public, though. Well, like, it doesn't imagine, look like you're arguing, yeah, but actually, yeah, yeah. Or just like furious. Yeah, two two taps for shall we leave now kind of thing. <laughs> so so yeah, he was right on this whole thing, uh, and this was sort of one of the parts of his project cyborg. Project cyborg had two elements to it. The first was having a, a, an identification implant, a radio frequency identification, which identified me to the computer in my building. So as I moved around, the computer knew where I was. We got it doing different things for me, like opening doors, switching on lights. It's really just to show what was possible when technology is inside the body, not acting in a therapeutic way, but acting in an information sense. The second part of Project Cyborg was the most exciting for me. Then I had my nervous system linked directly to the computer and then onto the internet. Signals from my brain, my motor signals, we were able to transmit across the internet. I went to New York and my brain directly controlled a robot hand in England. I could feel how much force the hand was applying. And so that part of the experiment, my brain was in one place on one continent. My body was somewhere completely different. And the important thing there is your body can be anything you want it to be. It doesn't have to be arms or legs. It can be buildings and vehicles or all, all sorts of things, anything that the technology is connected up to. One of the big things when we look at enhancing humans is how we communicate. I mean, to be perfectly honest, it's pretty pathetic at the present time. We, we, we have all sorts of highly complex signals in our brains, thoughts, feelings, emotions, and so on. And then when we want to communicate with someone else, we convert those signals to mechanical pressure waves. So why can't we communicate directly brain to brain? We'd be much, much better, much more powerful. What actually we've done with my implant and my nervous system, 
my wife also had electrodes pushed in her nervous system and we did the basics we sent signals from nervous system to nervous system uh, in order to communicate it was like a telegraphic communication between nervous systems but it showed in principle yes we can do that in future i believe we'll be able to communicate in the same way brain to brain thoughts and feelings and images and emotions i really feel just as the telephone and cell phones have completely changed interaction between humans that will completely change how we are as humans those that can communicate by thought will have that ability to communicate when he talks about the potentially sort of life-changing, radically life-changing prospects of communication innovations. It makes me wonder what other stuff we could we could innovate with yeah, so, in terms um, of biohacking. Well, what we've seen so far is a, a sort of small range of, of people willing to do stuff, you know, experiment, like Kevin did. So people have done things like, there was a guy called James Young who lost his arm and, and he actually won a competition to get a sort of bespoke prosthetic arm with, you know, extra functionality. Did he make a BBC Three show yeah, about I think it? So. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. Yeah, yeah. Really interesting. Um, so he had a laser on his arm, yeah. uh, a USB port in the wrist, and uh, and he also had a mount for a tiny drone. So he could like, you know, send it off like a hawk, I guess. Really cool. But there's a guy, this is one of my favourites, who's a guy called Neil Harbison, who describes himself as a cyborg artist. Hang but, on, is it is he the guy with the naughty antenna? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, so this antenna basically detects UV and colour. Yeah, yeah. He only sees in black and Right, white. okay, so he's great. So scout. he's enhanced his sort of natural capabilities mm. uh, so that he can see a whole load of other parts of the spectrum, including UV. I really like this. So, so you know, for me, I wouldn't want a big antenna sticking out of my head, to be fair. No. But I like the idea of being able to see a bit more UV spectrum. You know, you know that when you see the bees all going for flowers because the bees detect UV. Yeah. It's like, I'd like to be able to see what the bees see. Uh, I also like Tiana Sinclair's Mindwave technology, which is not implanted, so it's a headset you wear, but it basically reads your brain waves and when you achieve a focus state it can activate something so she there's this demonstration where she can make a little drone helicopter take off if she achieves achieves the right focus so um so it's basically you know learning to control your your brain waves uh i think is quite cool and i can imagine if there was an implant there rather than putting a headset on implant that just does that and maybe activates something when you get to a certain i mean it's a bit like you know uh, empire strikes back when you're trying to levitate the X-wing fighter, mm-hmm. Yoda's teaching Luke how to, you know, control mm-hmm. the Force. I mean, you know, call back to the Star Wars episode, but yeah. I mean, it, it's sort of. I quite like the idea that I can harness my brain power in that kind of Makes way. Makes me think of Matilda, really. Does it? Yeah, we're on different levels. But I'm, aren't we? I'm old school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so that's quite good. Then there's the Eyeborg. Uh, so this is a guy called Rob Spence who lost an eye and had it replaced with a digital camera. How does it look? A little bit weird. Look uh, quite cool. Do you look like the Terminator? Sort of a bit cool, yeah. Yeah. People don't like it, though, because he records everything that's going on around him. So it's, mm. it feels really unnerving. It's a really interesting sort of interaction of, you know, cyborg. Because that is proper cyborg. Yeah. If you've got a digital eye yeah. that's recording everything that's going on around you, that's exactly like Robocop, right? Yeah. And people are uncomfortable with it. So if this technology sort of took off and became ubiquitous... Actually, we'd have quite a big barrier to overcome in terms of people 
feeling like this was okay. It's Some like of, holding your iPhone up. If you imagine just going through your life, like recording everything that's you know going on in front of you, yeah, people wouldn't like it. Anyway, so uh, so that's the kind of thing you can you can do. Um, I, I'm not sure I'd want all of those, but some of these technologies I would quite want. Yeah, what would you have then? Um, I would definitely have, actually not on the list I've talked about, a magnetic sense. I mean, just give me a compass in my head, please. Then I won't get lost and I know which way I'm sort of pointing and just be able to... I don't know, sense the magnetic field of the Earth and sort and of... It doesn't feel outlandish because we no, know that I think birds can probably do yeah. it. Yeah, and I can do it through my phone. Sharks? Yes. Loads, loads of animals do it, but, but it's not the same, is it, if it's, mm. if it's not intrinsic to you? So if we do go down the... And I'm, I'm not entirely sure that we will, but if we do go down this route um, of sort of biohacking and, and transhumanism, uh, what, what might we look like? Some like in a long time in the future. Well, uh, I mean, am I going to look like Robocop? Yeah, because I mean, we haven't even mentioned exoskeletons, right? So people are going to be wearing exoskeletons that give them support, strength. I don't see the point. I, I can't imagine when I really want an exoskeleton. I mean, you, I mean, with your knee being fucked. You, yeah, maybe, I'd, maybe I'd, you I'd love one. Also, your knees are fucked. Yeah, but they're better now. Are you playing football? No, never right. again. Uh, but if you, <laughs> right, and if you had the exoskeleton, you'd be able to play football. No, I don't think I would, though, would I? Well, it depends on I mean, do you see how clunky Robocop was when he moved? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. He so doesn't. Terrible. I mean, he's playing left back and nowhere else. <laughs> so exoskeletons, maybe mind implants. Or I think people are likely to be wearing headsets or something like that. But that's only the same as wearing like a smartwatch now, isn't it, really? You know, so so we, we're talking about having implants maybe that can read all your body stats but mm -hmm. people kind of get a lot of that just from wearable technology so yeah i i don't i don't know i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't go for an implant for anything that i can wear that's yeah. what, that's what it comes down to i think but i suppose the thing of the headset is uh how effectively it can communicate with your brain if it's yeah, getting up close and personal yeah i mean <laughs> like if, if it's if just it's, hovering it's, around the yeah. edge I, I still don't i don't mm. feel the need for that those aren't the things that, for me, are the sellers. I want enhanced senses. I, I quite like mm -hmm. the idea of that. Uh, but, yeah, just, you know, the, the, oh, don't mess with my brain. No, don't mess with your sweet, sweet brain. Exactly. So, um, I mean, this is one of the things that we asked Kevin, was what all this might look like sort of in the future and whether I'm going to need to be augmented in this way because maybe I don't want it, but maybe I'll just feel like I'm getting left behind. By AIs. Exactly. Mm. I think we look at what's possible, augmentations, enhancements for the human body. Some of them, I think, are more obvious, that people like having different sensory inputs that we haven't got at the moment. Maybe having arms and legs, you know, why not have 10 arms or 20 legs or whatever, what that means. Some of the things, when you look at enhancements, we really don't know what it's going to mean. Things that at the present time we believe are impossible suddenly become possible. Will robots take our jobs or work alongside us? How soon will technology radically change the workforce? The world's first 100% robotic bar opened in Las Vegas in June. It's a novelty, but also a warning sign. Artificial intelligence and expanded automation could potentially cause violence in this country. I, I think it's an interesting question when we look at the future. Um, will we have to compete with machines? That's a strong possibility. I think with the intelligence of machines 
increasing in some cases, not all machines, but in some cases, particularly if we defer to them more, they're given more powers, more capabilities and so on. To be honest, there is a danger there that, that we, you know, we open up Pandora's box and it, it takes over. The, the machines take command. We have to really watch what we're doing. It's not right to say, oh, yeah, it's all programmed and it will do what we want. That's complete and utter rubbish. And, and no one should believe anybody that says anything like that. There are dangers we've got to watch and be wary about. In terms of cyborgs, I think we've got the distinct possibility of a digital divide coming in. Clearly, as a cyborg, part human, part technology, you will have abilities that are way beyond those of humans. That's why we're doing it. That's why the development is there. And as a human, you're potentially going to be left behind. I can't really see those humans stopping the progress. That's just not how it works. And there will be people such as myself and many, many others that want to integrate with the technology and have whole new raft of capabilities and mental abilities, particularly that we don't have at the moment. But how the different, what then become species, actually co-habit, I, I really can't see. It's very difficult to see that. I don't know where to start here. <laughs> I think I'm going to start with the age-old question, why not have 10 arms and 20 legs? <laughs> I mean, you can already get a third thumb. So there's a thing, thing where you can buy a third thumb uh -huh. that you stick on your hand, on yeah. the other side, obviously from the other thumb, yeah. and you control it with your foot. So, so you can like basically grip things from the other side as well uh, by changing the pressure on a foot pad. So double opposable thumbs. Yeah. I'm surprised Evolution hasn't come up with that. I mean, it doesn't feel essential, does it? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I'd know, I genuinely no. never considered um, going full sort of octopus or, no, or octopus no. plus. <laughs> Honestly, I, I mean, neuroplasticity must have its limits as well. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a lot to get your head around, isn't it? <laughs> I suppose you build up gradually. Yeah. Go, okay, one more leg, <laughs> yeah, yeah, another yeah. leg. Another leg. Oh, new arm. <laughs> but where are you keeping these legs exactly? I mean, the, you know, we're not built to have like extra legs. I'm imagining, on, and it, this sort of doesn't make it any more or less creepy. But they're much smaller. They're scaled down. So you've got your main, <laughs> you've got your main arms and legs, and then you've got like little, like like child's arms. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're trying to tell people that actually you're part of like the, the like the superhuman race. Like, no, no, this is what we look like. <laughs> Go over in the corner and talk to the guy with the antenna on his head. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great vibe. Um, the more sort of sobering stuff he was talking about there is the uh, possibility of it driving inequality, and you can certainly see that where suddenly. You've just got the, it's <laughs> the classic problem. We've spoken about it a lot. Just rich people getting these great, like, enhancements or benefits. And then, uh, and then people who aren't rich getting left behind. And then that, that gulf. I, yeah. I, I, I kind of disagree in that I think these things are going to come in so slowly. It's almost like saying, oh, you know, you can't have smartphones because not everyone can have smartphones. And gradually everyone gets smartphones. I mean, the, mm. for me, I'm, okay, yeah. I'm thinking a bit like, you know, talking about human enhancements, right? Mm. Wearing glasses. Mm -hmm. You know, one third of the world, mm -hmm. 2.5 billion people does not have access to eye care to give them proper vision. Yeah. None of us are saying, oh, we shouldn't wear glasses because, you know, not everyone can have glasses. 
And I think it's, I don't know, maybe it's a similar thing. It's like, it's going to happen. It's gradually going to trickle down. Um, and, you know, maybe you, you lose an eye and you get a, a digital eye put in and that's fine. It freaks people out a bit. And there will be people who choose to have that digital eye and that's not giving them a huge advantage in life. As no, yet. sure. It's just, sort of, and the NHS isn't paying for it. So, you know, they're making decisions to do that kind of thing. And I don't think the enhancements are going to be so serious that they're going to drive massive inequality very suddenly. That's my my take on it. Well, I, I guess you're you're right if we're just talking about stuff that fundamentally is affecting our physical capabilities. Yeah, I mean, just because I can see UV and jizz j- yeah. in a hotel room. Yeah, it's, I mean, a, it's a rubbish superpower. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think the bit that's difficult is brain enhancement. And that feels like that's probably not going to happen in the in the near future anyway. I mean, but that's that, going to that, happen through where, drugs, isn't it? Probably, uh, yes, more than but, anything else. Well, and I guess it is happening yeah. through, through drugs. But that is where you, you, you start entering bigger problems, I think, if you start massively increasing people's personal computing power. Although, as I said, I don't feel the need for it yet. You know, no. I like to think that these kind of things will be used first for, you know, dementia patients and things like that. So, uh-huh. so you know, I think to start to worry early about these things is is just unnecessary. I think hopefully, you know, these will enhance people's lives who who right. where their mental facilities have been downgraded. Right, but I don't think but, it's ever it's ever too early to talk about potential pitfalls. I don't think that's a problem. <laughs> No, oh, you can talk about it, but let's not just, wring our hands just, too far. No, you know? fine. Yeah. Well, I have too many hands to ring. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you yeah. can imagine. <laughs> It'd take me hours. <laughs> you're ringing 40 hands. <laughs> and you've got to do all the permutations. <laughs> every hand has got to ring every other hand. <laughs> What's that, 40 factorial? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a great image. <laughs> and that's before we even got the extra thumbs involved. <laughs> um... Going back to Robocop, as, yeah. I, as I like to. <laughs> um, uh, he is, I think it's safe to say, having a pretty miserable time. Didn't yeah. choose to become Robocop. Is there a danger that we might do stuff that isn't uh, isn't reversible, that can't be undone? So someone might have something and then be like, actually, this isn't for me, and then you're a bit screwed. Yeah, I mean, people who are looking into this are looking, first of all, to get reversible technology so the military for instance obviously are really interested in human enhancement because they want yeah. super soldiers yeah but they also don't want the situation where they've done something to you know some of their soldiers that they can't reverse uh-huh. they don't want the sense that some of these soldiers are are you know like a special brigade where the other you know that kind of creates a kind of two-tier soldier system yeah. if you like uh, so what they want is you know to be able to put on a technology or have an operation to put something in and then it be able to also being able to take it out, you know, mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can have, you know, a pacemaker put in, say, and taken out. So, yeah, so, yeah, so we yeah. know that we can do this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And you want people to be volunteering for that as well and not coerced into it, obviously, like Robocop yeah. was. Was he? Co- I mean, he's, well, not, he's not even coerced because really he was he was dead. Dead, yeah. But um, very easy to coerce. The yeah, dead. yeah. But I mean, I can imagine amongst the military there'll be plenty of volunteers for this kind of thing. It's like, yeah, I'll do that. Super soldier. Jason Bourne-esque kind of, you know, hyper-intelligence. Okay, good. Time for a rundown of our big question. We've asked a lot of questions, but the big question was, will we inevitably become cyborgs? And I suppose the answer is, in some way, yes, because it's already happening. Yeah. There's nothing to suggest that we're going to get less interested in in doing it. Um, there's lots of emerging tech, which is kind of on the fringes of, of kind of 
cyborg stuff. Anyway. Yeah, I think it's a big yes. It'll mm. be part of this anti-aging thing for a start. You know, there's yeah. a big move into sort of defeating all the symptoms of aging. And, and this is a huge part of that. Also, you know, if your knee gets mashed in a football tackle, say, and they you're at the point in time where they say, well, you know, we could sort of try and rebuild it using bits of your hamstring to create a ligament or something like that. Mm. Or we could just give you this sort of robotic knee that, that's, you know, passed all the tests and works really well and just implant, you know, a titanium knee that will never need servicing again. You're going to go for the knee, aren't you? Oh, I'm taking a robot knee all, all day long. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, we're yeah, gradually yeah. going to go down this route, definitely. And you're going to be out there with all your thumbs. <laughs> Hitchhiking like crazy. Yeah, and blinking furiously. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to record everything. <laughs> I'm um, looking forward to this. I know you are. Nice shooting, son. What's your name? Murphy. Science Ish is a Radio Wolfgang production presented by me, Rick Edwards, and Dr. Michael Brooks. It was produced by Eli Block and Ivor Slayer-Manley. The executive producer was Harry Watson. Special thanks to Kevin Warwick. Please subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're aiming to knock Brian Cox off the top of the science charts. You can also follow us on Twitter at science underscore ish. Bring it back to Robocop. He needed uh, one new arm, although then they lopped off the other arm. That's quite, that's horrible. <laughs> yeah, I love that scene. That's though. horrible. Uh, it was like, no, get rid yeah, of that. But arm. This, this one's fine. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Just, yeah. And I think ultimately he's better for it, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. But the point is, I guess that he has died, hasn't he? So they yeah. can just do what they like. I mean, not and, total and brain do. death, though. Otherwise, he wouldn't have these sort of flashbacks. So, I mean, going back to our well, Flatliners episode, you know, right, yeah. defying death. At what point is it okay to take this so-called dead police officer and turn him into a cyborg? Why is that not our big question? Because <laughs> <laughs> we've kind of been there. Go back to the Flatliners episode, you'll love it.